This is episode 285 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are 30 Survival Items to Get in the First 30 Days of When You Start Prepping, and Prepper Med 101, St. John's Wort, an Herbal Remedy for Depression. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 285. Hey, I wanted to let you know that I did release a new article on Ed That Matters. Uh, It is the weekly Watchman and current events for April 3rd, 2018. Um, I normally, I used to do this every week and I just, it's, it's kind of fallen behind with uh, all the craziness that's been going on. Uh, but uh, it's, for those of you that are new, this is a, a great uh, article to go to and, and it's really, it, it's a collection of videos uh, by prophecy teachers, Bible prophecy teachers, but uh, they really talk about current events of, you know, what's going on in the world and uh, they kind of bring all those in, tie it into Bible prophecy. But a lot of the times, there's a lot of current events that you're not going to hear in any other place. And so put, I put all that together on in one article. And so this time around, uh, we have uh, about five articles that you can, or five videos that you can, uh, you can check out. And I definitely would recommend you checking those out because there's a lot of great information there. Uh, a lot of the times I don't watch them. I listen to them while I'm doing uh, other things, getting ready, driving in the car, those types of things. And so it's definitely worth it. So if you can do that, I would highly recommend that. I'm going to go ahead and link to it in the show notes so you can go check that out. Our first article comes to us from SurvivalSullivan.com. And again, the article is entitled 30 Survival Items to Get in the First 30 Days of When You Start Prepping. I don't agree with everything in this article. There's some definitely some great stuff, uh, but I don't agree with everything. And I'm not going to be able to comment on every, there's, like I said, there's 30 items here. But I am going to comment on some of these. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the prepper world. Today we face the most possibilities of SHTF than ever before. World War III, EMP, power grid down, civil unrest, and economic collapse are all very likely to happen. So congratulations on making the right decision to start prepping for the sake of your family's well-being and survival. It is best to be prepared and self-reliant than relying on the government's help and getting sent to a FEMA camp or dying in the process of waiting. There are many items you should start stockpiling so you won't have to go out after SHTF to scrounge for these supplies and take the chances of being robbed or killed on the journey to town. Listed below are 30 survival items, and the majority of them can be found for a cheap price. <laughs> All right, so before, before I even go continue on, um, really starting off, you know, people starting off prepping, I mean, they hit all the big ones right here. So a lot of people would, be in lot, would say that's, that's like fear porn, right? And then uh, <laughs> saying that are very likely to happen. I don't believe all of those are very likely to happen. Uh, but then, you know, getting sent to a FEMA camp and all that kind of stuff. Um, that kind of goes against some of the things that I know that I, I always say is you want to prep. Uh, you want to start prepping just because you know, it make, it's common sense and it, it makes uh, life a little bit easier. And uh, there are always things going on. Like we prep 
not for the EMP and World War III. Although you know those things could happen, uh, we prep for hurricanes and blizzards, and you know the the power going out for a while because um, the the grid is too hot. Um, that happens. We get brownouts all the time uh, down here in in the Houston area. So. Um, that's not really the way that I would start off an article, but uh, and I really wasn't going to comment on that part of it. But I just as I was reading that again, I was like, you know what? Let me let me stop and talk a little bit about that one. So let's go ahead and um, and go ahead and start counting these down. They are not in in any or, order, or I would not say these are in order of the way that I would put them. So anyway, let's go ahead and start. Number one, backpack to use as Bob. Your first plan should be to stay home during an SHTF scenario so you're guaranteed shelter and you won't have to risk your life to go out and find somewhere for you and your family to stay during the civil unrest that will undoubtedly arise. However, if something would occur and you cannot stay in your house, plan B will be bugging out. To bug out, you need all your necessary survival items in one place for convenience. A sturdy backpack in a dark color that is not too large or tactical in appearance is a wise choice for a bob or a bug out bag because it's easy to carry and you can fit multiple belongings inside without attracting unwanted attention. Take your bob with you everywhere you go and put it in the back of your vehicle every time you leave your house for convenient use if SHTF while you are on the road. Um, you know, if you are looking for a good backpack, definitely a resale shop. I have found some really good ones there, uh, really sturdy ones. Uh, I know Brian over on the Facebook group has posted some things that he has found at resale shops, and he found a really great uh, backpacking uh, backpack there, hiking backpack. And, uh, you know, so that's something. And he always gets it for a great, great deal. He's like the resale whisperer or something. But, uh, you know, you can always go to a resale shop. And, uh, you know, a lot of times if you go and you buy a cheaper one, they're going to be re really cheaply made. And you put a decent amount of weight in there, they're going to bust. So you're really looking for a good one. And uh, like I said, resale shops are, are, are a place to go there. Number two, bandanas. You can find bandanas for a very cheap price and they can be used for survival purposes when SHTF. You can tie bandanas up on tree branches or a road sign so your family and friends will understand the message you are signaling. Get with the members you will have in your group and come up with different color options. Examples, a red bandana equals I left and do not continue going this way. Blue bandana equals turn right. Green bandana equals turn left. Black bandana equals meet at desired bug out location. Using bandanas instead of paper and pen, ensure an anonymous message that others will not understand, which guarantees extra safety. Uh, there's a lot more uses to bandanas than just uh, you know signaling there, but you know there's a lot of uses there. And I know uh, I've posted articles in the past on Prepper website that, you know, like 20 uses, 30 uses for, you know, 50 uses for a bandana. So definitely something that you should add to your preps. Number three, blankets. No one knows for certain when our lives will change forever because of a disaster. Even if you have an idea of when it will occur, you won't know for sure how long the living situation will remain the same. In case of SHTF in the winter or if you live in a cold climate, you need to be stocked up on blankets for you and every member in your group. Your home will not be as warm during the winter and you need all the extra warmth you can receive to prevent hypothermia. Number four, camping stove or the solo stove. 
When it comes to survival, you won't think twice about eating anything cold. However, when it comes to meat or needing boiled water, a camping stove will become a necessity. The Solo Stove is a great camping stove choice because it doesn't require any fuel to work. You will run out of fuel quickly when SHTF, so you will not have to worry about feeding your family when it comes to cooking on the Solo Stove. All you need are twigs or any burnable items such as pine cones, wood, or leaves. The Solo Stove is also small and has a compact design for convenient use. Hey, recently, I talked a little bit about a stove that, um, that I've reviewed on my latest uh, article or my latest, latest video on YouTube. And the link, I'm still going to continue putting the link in the, the show notes if you're interested in, in checking that out. It's called uh, Bug, out, or, yeah, Bug Out Bag Food Ideas and, and Tips and uh, talk a little bit about a stove there as well. But the Solo Stove is a very well-built stove, and it'll last a long time if you take care of it. Number five, cardboard. Cardboard can become very helpful when SHTF, and more than likely, you already have cardboard boxes out in your garage. You can use cardboard as insulation for your homes or as a barrier from cold ground when forced to sleep outdoors. Depending on the amount of cardboard that you have, you can make emergency shelter out of it to protect you from the cold. Number six, cleaning supplies. Germs will be spreading like wildfire during a disaster because of less likely good hygiene and since you will not have access to a hospital to treat illnesses or infections, you want to keep your living conditions as top-notch clean as possible. Stock up on disinfectant sprays, wipes, bleach, vinegar, general bathroom cleaning or floor care, dish soap, heavy-duty trash bags, and rubbing alcohol. If you keep your living area clean, you will reduce the chances of you or your loved ones becoming sick which will decrease problems in the future. About three episodes back, we talked about uh, household cleaning or cleaning solutions that you could make just out of household supplies, and uh, really that is a great uh, thing to uh, to stock up on because when uh, if you if we ever are in a situation where uh, you know we're not able to go to the grocery stores. You want to make as much, you know, cleaning products and stuff like that on your own. You want to have the supplies. And when you have those bulk supplies, you can make uh, those cleaning products, you know, very, very easily. And uh, it's very affordable to stock those up. So I would highly recommend going to check out check out that episode and, and that article. Number seven is condoms. Condoms are a necessity to prevent pregnancy. When SHTF, you will not be as healthy as you once were before Tiatwaki or the end of the world as we know it. Pregnancy at this time is simply not ideal for the baby or the mother. You will be lacking more nutrients, more than likely hungrier than usual, and engaging in more exclusive physical activity than your body is used to. If there is a problem with the pregnancy, tubal pregnancy for example, you will not be able to receive medical care to diagnose or care for the problem which could lead to death. Not to mention the mother may not be able to produce enough breast milk and she may not have any formula stocked up to feed an unplanned baby. Um, So I don't necessarily want to talk about condoms because to me that's not as useful. But one thing that I do want to say is babies have been uh, born throughout all of history no matter what the situation was like. So that's going to happen regardless. Are there going to be things, are are there going to be uh, higher mortality rates and and different things like that? Yes, just like they were in the old days. Uh, We have a lot of medical know-how now and uh, the ability to do a bunch of great things that won't be available if 
Uh, it truly is the end of the world as we know it. So just kind of want to throw that out there. Uh, and then also, you know, what did people do before there was baby formula? You know, they, there was no baby formula to stock up on. Uh, mothers had to nurse. That just that's the way it was. And so uh, eventually the baby will be hungry enough and uh, will do what it needs to do. Nature will take over. And so I kind of want to point that out. Um, I think that's that's important because life will continue to happen there. Number eight is duct tape. Duct tape is cheap, small size for convenience and can fix just about anything. You most definitely want to stock up on as much duct tape as you can. You can use duct tape as a watertight seal for leaks, emergency band-aids, attach tarps to trees for shelter, making an arm sling for you or a group member that dislocates a shoulder, fly traps, pest control is very important, become a DIY rope, make a cup out of it to collect rainwater and detaining punks or thieves by making handcuffs with a couple of strips of your duct tape. Number nine, extra transportation. If you are bugging out or temporarily leaving, you will eventually become exhausted by getting around on foot. Having extra transportation other than a vehicle would be a very wise choice. ATVs would be extremely handy for traveling through the woods or wherever off-road. Never go out on a main road by yourself. It's too dangerous. You will run out of fuel sooner or later, so purchasing a bicycle is a smart move. Bicycles do not require gas, and you will be so much more comfortable for getting around rather than walking. You will also get to your destination a lot quicker than going by foot. Converting a vehicle to run on biodiesel fuel you make yourself will help enhance your ability to escape quickly. I've always said I think that if we truly were in a um, you know, grid-down situation, the end of the world as we know it, whatever you want to call it, uh, I, I always thought that bicycles would be something great to have. Um, and so, you know, like a, a sturdy mountain bike and having, you know, spare parts for that to be able to uh, to fix that if they were to break down. So uh, I always thought that was a great idea. Number 10 are first aid supplies. One thing you want to keep in your bob and everywhere you go is a first aid kit. Having first aid supplies on hand can absolutely save a life. Most first aid kits you can find at stores will only cover the basics like a scrape or a cut, but during an SHTF, That will not be enough. In order to keep things from getting worse or even deadly, you should make your own first aid kit. Your first aid supplies should consist of many quality medical supplies, and because you will have a lot of items, you should choose a large fishing tackle box. Using a large tackle fishing box gives you the option of being more organized with all the trays, more room to put supplies than in a regular first aid kit, and convenient to carry. Number 11 flashlights. You should keep multiple flashlights in your bob as an everyday carry item. If you are out during the darkness, a light is essential for taking your next step. If you are running in the woods at night trying to get away from a punk, you might fall in a hole and break your leg if you cannot see where you are going. You should also purchase a headlamp because you may have your arms full carrying children, injured people, wood, food, or other items, and the headlamp simply lays on your forehead, which makes it much more convenient than a regular flashlight that you must carry. I do think that headlamps are uh, a good purchase, that you know you should have flashlights and definitely should have a headlamp. I think that's a great idea. Number 12, food preservation. Food preservation is crucial for you and your loved one's survival. If you do not preserve your food, not only will you eventually run out of food, 
for you and your group members to eat, but the food that you attempt to store will spoil and deteriorate in a rather short amount of time. You need to stock up on mason jars to can your food, water bath, and pressure canning equipment, and both an electrical and a solar food dehydrator. You know, one of the things that if you are very worried about, you know, having one of these end of the world type scenarios, you know, one of the things you might want to learn how to do is make jerky, know how to smoke, uh, you know, smoke meat to, uh, to be able to preserve it that way. Number 13 is a gas mask. And uh, this is one of those that I don't believe that you need. Uh, that's not definitely one of the first items that I would go get. I think it's nice if you can afford it and you have purchased all the other things that, that you need. But uh, it's here on this list. Let's go ahead and read this one. Gas masks are crucial to keep you safe from all smoke, toxic substances, and all airborne chemicals. If civil unrest occurs, tear gas will more than likely be used. During a natural disaster, bugging out just to be safe, or nuclear attack, your gas mask will become essential. Number 14 is a Geiger counter. Again, this is one that I don't believe you necessarily have to have. Um, It's not one of the first items I would buy, definitely. With all the threats from North Korea, you can never prepare too much for the possibility of a nuclear attack and being exposed to radiation. Or even if the nuclear power plant has an accident or if you are exposed to a dirty bomb, you will be exposed to radiation. You should always stay indoors for at least 24 hours after the air has been exposed to radiation before going outside to leave the area. You should get a Geiger counter so you can have an instrument that detects ionization and radiation. Having a Geiger counter in your possession can potentially save a life and reduce the chances of anyone being exposed to radiation poisoning. Number 15, hand-powered tools. As convenient as power tools are, gas and electricity may not be available during an SHTF scenario, so you should stock hand-powered tools in your shed to be prepared during a disaster. Hand-powered tools will get you by during an emergency the same way our grandfathers use these types of tools daily. You should make sure to have a hammer, wrenches, screwdrivers, and at least one axe. A two-person version of the cross-cut saw would be extremely helpful when it comes time to cut down trees for wood. Not only would this type of tool save you energy by having extra help, but it will also get the job done quicker, which results to extra wood being cut before dark. I do agree that having hand tools is very important. And not only that, it is one of those things that uh, it is a tangible item that has value. And so if you really were in a poop hit the fan situation, you would definitely want tools. And so I always think that's a, you know, investing in quality tools. I always think that's a a great investment there. Number 16 is hygiene products. Your overall hygiene health is extremely crucial to reduce the chances of becoming sick and resulting to a health issue. Purchasing hygiene products may not be at the top of your survival items, but they most definitely should be. Stock up on plenty of toothbrushes, toothpaste, floss, mouthwash, antibacterial soap, hand sanitizer, toilet paper, baby wipes, tampons or pads, and face masks to keep your mouth and nose covered while around anyone that is contagious with a sickness. If you just overcame any type of illness, make sure to throw your current toothbrush out and begin using a new one. Using a toothbrush you had while being under the weather can result to those nasty germs returning to your mouth again. If you remember, and you've heard me say this many times on the podcast, 
the first things to go in Venezuela were, uh, you know, it was toilet paper, it was diapers first, and then um, feminine hygiene products, and then it was toilet paper. And then it just kind of seemed after you heard about the toilet paper, it just kind of went downhill after that really quickly uh, with the food and all that type of stuff. So definitely these are important items, things that people seek out. Number 17, jugs of water. The average person can only go three days without water before dying from dehydration. It is crucial for you, your loved ones, pets, or livestock, plants, and garden crops to receive clean water when a disaster strikes. You should start stocking up on water now before it becomes dirty and contaminated. Not only will you need the water for hydration purposes, but you will also need water for cooking, brushing your teeth, washing your hands, and showering. Number 18, a map. Oh, hey, let me go up to the to the water again. I did receive an email from uh, someone off of the uh, the email list. They're receiving the uh, the e course, the free e course, build a more self reliant life. And in one of the lessons, I talk about water. And uh, this person emailed me and said that uh, they were stocking up. It was cheaper to stock up on, or it was cheaper to purchase the cheaper two liter sodas. And use those uh, two-liter soda bottles for water. Just kind of throw out the soda and just rinse them really well. Then to go out and buy containers of for for water for storing water. And uh, one of the things that they had said is they didn't want to ask people like at at parties and things like that for the leftover two liters because they didn't want to have to explain and tell people why they were storing water. My email back was. You can go to Pinterest and you know look up two liter bottles and look up different things that you might want to do and do a couple of little crafts. You know maybe you make some garden planters, right? Uh, maybe you make some self watering pots uh, with with some of the two liter uh, bottles that you get. Maybe you know there's a whole bunch of other things you can do. So you can do some of that stuff and kind of you know uh, take pictures of it and throw it up on uh, social media, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, Facebook, so people see that you're doing that. But that's kind of a, a little bit of a cover. So if anybody ever asks you, like I like to do projects with two liter, you know, two liter bottles or whatever. So you're not really lying. You're not really telling uh, untruth. You are using the two liter bottles for those projects, but you're using most of the two liters to store water. And so uh, that was my reply back there. Uh, just if you are ever in that situation uh, to be able to you know, gain some two liter bottles that way. Uh, number 18 is a map. After the SHTF, chances are you will not have access to your phone or GPS. Having a map in your console of your car and your bob can help you and your group members to relocate to a new destination. If you do not own a map when a disaster strikes, and if you are in an unfamiliar location, you could potentially get you and your loved ones lost and result to death from starvation, dehydration, or if you come across punks that steal all your belongings in your bob. If they steal your bob, how are you going to get to your home or bug out location to get in your stockpile if you do not know where you are and how to get back to your needed destination? Hopefully you do know the route to your bob. Hopefully you, you're not dependent on just a map or um, a GPS to do that. So hopefully if you did lose everything, you, you would still be able to get to your bug out location. But uh, 
you know, having definitely having a map, having uh, a map of the area, um, like I suggested in my video that I uh, <laughs> I've referred to it twice already. Uh, in the video, when you're bugging out, especially if it is uh, longer than you know two days, one of the things you might want to do is make a note of where all the water sources are. And so you can put that down definitely on a map. So if you needed to refill water, you have all these different options. All right, number 19 is matches. Matches are extremely small for convenient packing, cheap, and they have a very long shelf life as long as you do not get them wet or break them. You can easily put multiple stashes of matches in your console of your car, Bob, and even your pockets. Matches are the most common and simplest method when it comes to starting a fire. I would also suggest if you're going to do that, go ahead and, and dip them in wax to go ahead and, and waterproof them. And um, definitely just don't carry matches. I would also carry a Bic lighter, a couple of Bic lighters as well. Number 20 is medication. Medicine is a definite must need when it comes to survival. You should always, always, always stock up on medicine every time you have the chance. For example, if you or your loved one has high blood pressure, heart disease, or diabetes, medicine is crucial when it comes to your survival. Antibiotics are another great type of medicine. You should have bundles of stocked up. With all the physical activities outdoors, an injury is bound to happen by someone, and if they get that cut or wound infected, they will need antibiotics. If someone has an ear infection, toothache, or a virus, they will also need antibiotics. Building your own herbal apothecary would also be a wise choice when it comes to medical health. Definitely agree on the medicine in not only just, you know, over the, uh, not only prescription, but over-the-counter stuff would be very, very valuable. Number 21, non-perishable food. 53% of Americans do not have a three-day supply of non-perishable food in their households. You need to make sure to have a wide variety of non-perishables so you and your family will not have to worry about starving. A lot of non-perishable foods can be conveniently stored, such as canned foods. You can easily stack them on top of each other and provide you with more room to stack other non-perishables. You can also buy non-perishables from survival food companies for a bigger bulk of foods, and most of them are already cooked. You just need to heat them up or add water. All right, and guys, if you are looking for dehydrated food, quality dehydrated food, I'd like to remind you that I am an affiliate for Legacy Food. Um, there is a link in the show notes. I made some pancakes this weekend, and they were really good. I posted a picture on Instagram if you follow me there. Um, but definitely uh, would recommend them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be an affiliate if I didn't recommend them and didn't try it myself. So um, I guess the, the, cost, the cost per serving is definitely uh, better than a lot of other foods out there. All right, number 22 is pet food. You and your group members are not the only living creatures you must provide and care for. Your pets and livestock are relying on you for their survival. When you're stocking up on non-perishable foods for you and your loved ones, that would be a great time to also stock up on dog food and livestock feed. If you are not stocked up on livestock feed when a disaster strikes, they will eventually run out of their feed, which will soon result to death. Guess what happens if your livestock die? Obviously, no meat and dairy for you and your group. Number 23 is plastic sheeting. Plastic sheeting should have its own stockpile because of all the different uses you can get out of them. You can use plastic sheeting to build a solar still, making a shelter, covering a ground for a sterile surface, creating a quarantine, 
collecting rainwater, making blackout curtains so others will not know you have light or electricity on in your house, building a greenhouse, and ensuring your plants do not die by the frost. You can also put your plastic sheeting up against windows and doorways to trap heat and create more insulation. Um, you can buy rolls at Home Depot and you can buy them in black and you can also buy them in just the clear plastic and uh, they're pretty th thick like you know six mil five mil six mil definitely I do believe that that is something that uh, you should look into number 24 is rope there are many different types of rope and the uses of them differ depending on which kind of rope you have for example the most common is the twisted rope which is extremely strong if your bug out location is near a water source, then this is the type of rope to have as it's capable of floating. If you're planning on building shelters, you need to get a paracord rope or a guy line rope. Paracord ropes are also great for holding up a hammock. Climbing ropes are also a great type of rope to have, so you know for certain that will it will allow heavy loads while climbing. Number 25 is seeds. In order to have a beautiful garden that will allow you and your family to indulge in must-needed nutrients, you need seeds. Seeds are very cheap, and you can purchase a lot in bulk to be stocked up for a long period of time. The type of seeds you need to get are based on your personal preference. For example, if you and your family are big broccoli and corn lovers, make sure to stock up on these two vegetables. If you are not a fan of carrots or beans, you should still stock up on them and use them as bartering. Number 26, a sewing kit. You absolutely need clothing for when a disaster strikes, not for modest purposes, but for warmth and protection purposes. If it is winter or a cold climate, you need clothes to prevent you from being a victim of hypothermia. You also need clothes to protect your skin when you are out in the woods to prevent you from being cut or bit by ticks, insects, and snakes. Sewing machines can repair clothing or make new clothing out of scraps from other clothing or blankets. You can also make your own gear with your sewing kit, which can include archery quivers, rifle cases or slings, hats, moccasins, bags, and water bottle holders. You can make just about anything with a sewing kit. It just requires creativity and patience. Number 27, a tent. A tent is a definite source of shelter, so you should purchase at least one tent. If you have a huge family or a big group, you can get a large enough tent to fit your needs. Even if you plan on staying home when SHTF, you may be away from your home when the disaster strikes, so you need to be prepared and have shelter for you and your loved ones until you make it back home. A tent will keep you out of nasty weather, protect you from getting bit by insects, and keep you out of the cold. Number 28, a water purifier. When SHTF, the water will soon become contaminated, which means no more tap water. One way every water source will become contaminated is because of human waste. If you drink contaminated water, you are just asking to be exposed to all kinds of infections that can become very serious and result to death. Yes, you can stock up on bottled water, but you and your group members will be drinking a lot of water to keep hydrated, and eventually your stockpile of bottled water will, go, will be gone before you know it. You need to get water filters. They are not that pricey and can save your life, so you do not die from dehydration. Water filters remove the contaminants completely away from the original water source and leave you, leaves you with clean, drinkable water. Highly, highly recommend having a water purifier. So if you do not have one, that is one of the you know purchases, one of the gear purchases that I would say you need to purchase. 
And so if you are looking for a very quick, easy solution, the Sawyer Mini Water Filters are a great water filter to have. And if you're looking for something very easy for like a child to use, uh, Life Straws, uh, you know, they don't filter as much as the, the Sawyer Mini Water Filters, but they are, um, it's almost like foolproof. You just you open it up and you there's a, a part that you put in your mouth and then you stick the other other piece in uh, or the other end into wherever you want to drink and uh, just go for it from there. Number 29, weapons and ammunition. Weapons should be the number one survival item to have, period. Okay, let me say I do not agree with that. But I do believe it's very high up there, but I don't know if it's number one. If you do not own any weapons, then you might as well kiss your loved ones goodbye now. When SHTF, there is going to be more crime than you could ever imagine. For one, people will be defending for their own and not have police help, which excites all criminals. Even the people with the biggest hearts will turn against you when they become hungry enough and will most definitely do what they need to do to feed their families. With that being said, you need to stock up on as many weapons as possible. Rifles and handguns should be your first choice of weapons. Don't forget to stock up on the correct type of ammo as well. Bows, compound, or crossbow are also weapons that you should absolutely own. Bows are quiet, which will be great for when you are hunting and want to keep quiet so people nearby will not have any clue of your location or that you just killed a deer because they will be wanting that deer for their own family. If you ever run out of arrows for your bows, you can easily learn how to make your own. Slingshots are great to have for killing small game, and they are also quiet. Knives is also a must-have for self-defense or butchering the livestock or deer. And I'll just come back and talk a little bit about um, overall that I want to comment here after reading that one. Uh, Number 30 is whistles. You need to go purchase whistles for you and your loved ones and begin putting them in your bob. Whistles are very loud and great for grabbing your attention. You can have your loved ones blow their whistle if they are being robbed, raped, or beat up, and you will know their location to come to their rescue. There is a such thing known as the emergency whistle kit, which includes a whistle, LED light, compass, magnifying glass, signal mirror, and thermometer. You can either wear the survival whistle across your neck, on a keychain, or in your bob. So what's next? If you are serious about prepping, you should start my one-year stockpiling challenge. Start here. All right, so there is a, a link there to uh, to go take care of that. All right, so um, let me let me make a comment about the whistle first. I do believe, um, especially women, like uh, there is one like the storm whistle. It's supposed to be a really loud whistle, uh, and uh, purchased that for my wife off of Amazon. So it's you know it's on her key ring, and uh, she can blow that if she needs to. And so she always has that with her, um, not just in your bob, but on your key ring. Um, so I do believe in that. You know, it's not that common to hear whistles. So if you heard one, like in a parking lot or a garage or 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 some you know somewhere along those lines, it would get your attention. You would stop to to turn around to to find out what that was. So definitely, I think that is uh, a good deterrent to have. All right. So let me just the overall the way that I take this article is it was written from the point of view of. The end of the world is coming, and so you know, prepare. I mean, that's the way that's the way it was written here, and so um, you know, completely understand where someone who is writing this will be coming from, uh, and uh, understanding all those. I don't know if they're maybe they're they're fairly new to preparedness. Uh, the author here, 
Um, sometimes I think uh, people write to, you know, for the preparedness community, although uh, this is, or, you know, for people that they know, right? It's like, uh, you know, everybody that I know believes that the end is coming. So let me write this article and, and uh, you know, everybody that they know would agree with everything that they're saying. But th- this article was, oh, the title was, you know, 30, 30 survival items uh, when you're starting to prep. And so definitely I would have done it just a little bit differently if I would have been, if I was writing this. Um, but there's still a lot of good things here. And so you, you got to really kind of take a, a, a look at it and see what kind of things you can continue adding to your preps. So if you're new, right, because uh, I know I, I'm hearing from people that are new to preparedness because of the podcast. And so they're coming, you know, they're hitting us on iTunes and uh, they're letting me know that they're new to preparedness. Um, don't let something like this freak you out. There is still the way that you start planning is you or the way you start prepping is you got to make a plan and then you go from there. And there's definite steps. Um, We don't go from, uh, you know, the world is fine to all of a sudden the poop has hit the fan or the poop is hitting the fan tomorrow. What kinds of things do I need to run out and buy right now? So definitely just kind of want to throw that out there. There's still a lot of good things here that are definitely worth it to stockpile. And so there are links all throughout this article that you can come check out. And so I would highly recommend that you come do that and, uh, you know, get a little bit more information here. So that's at survivalsullivan.com. All right. Our next article comes to us from beans, bullets, bandages, and you.com. And this article is entitled Prepper Med 101, St. John's Wart, an Herbal Remedy for Depression. I always think it's very valuable to have information on herbal remedies and uh, St. John's wort uh, will do more than just the depression aspect of it but uh, I think this is one that you might want to know Uh, you know if someone's going through a big situation or you go through a a real crisis situation people might um, you know might be depressed they might have anxiety they might have a lot of stress they might need something to calm them down and so, uh, you know, having St. John's wort around uh, and being able to identify it might be one of those herbal remedies or those herbs that you definitely want to put in your uh, in your toolbox, at least being able to identify it and know how to use it. So, yeah, it's one one thing to just be able to identify it. It's another to know how to use it. And so I, I like this article because of that, because they, they go into some more specifics on how exactly you would use this if you were in uh, a situation where you wanted to use St. John's wort for depression or some of the other um, situations or circumstances that they talk about here. So again, one of the things I love about Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You is they do a great job. Spice does a great job of detailing detailing her information. So if you go down to the bottom of the article, you're going to see all the works that she cited. And so that you can go look these up yourself and, uh, you know, check, check it out for yourself. Check out the research for yourself. So let's go ahead and get started on this one. Depression afflicts more than 10% of the population at some point in their life. Throw a lot of upheaval into people's lives and there's likely to be a whole lot more. We here at 3BY are all about helping people thrive and depression most certainly is not thriving. But what's a prepper to do? I did an article on this a while back. Prepper Psych Dealing with Depression, Three Prepper Options. And there's a link to the article here. 
As you can see from the pic, the star of the piece was a plant that grows wild in much of the northern hemisphere, including the U.S. called St. John's wort. Since this is one of the herbal remedies that essentially everyone agrees actually works, I wanted to share with you the evidence and offer some help understanding how it's prepared and dosed. I am not myself a physician, so I'm not advising you what you should do, but it sure seems like a pretty good option. And so I will say that uh, this is also an episode in their podcast, episode 82. You can definitely go check uh, this episode out as well. So why bother? There's general agreement, including among hardcore science researchers, that from mild to moderate depression, St. John's wort works significantly better than placebos and about as well as most prescription antidepressants. It has a better safety profile than the prescription meds, so long as the known interactions described below are respected. It also works about as well as exercise, one of the other remedies in the article noted above. Some people also recommend it for other conditions, most notably anxiety, pain, and inflammation. The evidence for the claims beyond depression is not nearly as strong. There are some indicators that it's helpful against migraine, inflammatory exasperations of multiple sclerosis, and psoriasis, which is also an inflammatory disease. The studies on anxiety were rather small and unimpressive. They found trends for the herb to be helpful, but no significant difference, which often means that if there was an effect, it was slight. It's also available. It's native to Europe and Asia, but now also grows widely in North America and Australia, and maybe other places. In fact, some consider it an invasive weed it grows so well. One can plant it from seed, harvested from wild, but it grows even better if you replant sections of the rhizomes, that's the runners that grow out from the plant off to the sides just under the ground. It's even pretty. I thought it was one of the native prairie flowers out at the place until a friend told me otherwise. Let's be clear here. Herbal remedies are just as much drugs as are things that come in pills. If they didn't have biologically active chemicals in them, they'd be useless. Therefore, natural does not equate with safe. That said, St. John's wort has an ex excellent safety profile in those that aren't taking anything else that interacts with it. It does cause some gastrointestinal disturbance in some, especially at high doses. There have been rare reports of anxiety, and when taken in high doses, it can predispose you to getting sunburn. As side effect profiles go, none of these are very common or very serious. There is one big problem to watch out for St. John Wart. Let's call it SJW, I'm getting tired of typing it, interactions. The active compound in SJW affects the function of one of the liver's main sets of detoxification enzymes. So when one is taking SJW, other drugs can get metabolized too fast or too slow. The herb also interacts with the same neurochemicals that many prescription psychoactive drugs target, so you can get interference there too. I'd recommend anybody contemplating SJW who is taking any other med or supplement read up on it carefully and or talk to your doctor ahead of time. Rather than an exhaustive list, here are some particularly proper relevant interactions to watch out for. Birth control pills. Women who take both SJW and oral contraceptives are commonly referred to as mothers. Prescription antidepressives, digoxin for the heart, metformin, type 2 diabetes, 
omeprazole, acid reflux, narcotics for pain, dilantin for seizures, over-the-counter allergy and sleep meds, statins for cholesterol. This is listed as a moderate interaction. It's listed as probably safe in adults, possibly safe in children, meaning they don't have much data one way or another, and is not recommended during pregnancy or breastfeeding due to some birth defects observations from rat studies. I did find some hints that it might have some effect in promoting the development of type 2 diabetes mellitus, but at this point, it's just a hint. So how do you find it? Look around when it's flowering. It's a midsummer flower. It was around the first week of July when my friend pointed it out here in North Missouri, and the blossoms seem to be around for several weeks. It likes a wide variety of conditions. I find it most in disturbed former prairie. Looking at a wide variety of photos now while they're available is helpful in knowing what you're looking for. Once you think you've got it, there are a couple of tests. Hold the leaves up to a strong light and you should see what looks like bright white dots shining through. There are little transparent dot-sized areas on the leaves, hence the species name, perforatum. Those little clear patches have one of the most active chemicals, hyperforin, in the plant. Also, squeeze one of the yellow flowers in your fingers. It should leave a noticeable red smear. One of the other really active chemicals, hypercidin, is red in color. In fact, this will give your infusions and tinctures of SJW a red hue. So what do you do with it once you've got it? Much of the value is in the flowers and the tips of the plant near the flowers. So you might want to just collect those. The bad news is the active ingredients do degrade somewhat on air drying. I couldn't find how much, probably because it depends on a million factors. Freeze drying preserves more of the value. One can make a tea of the fresh flowers by steeping a few teaspoons of flowers in hot water. For out-of-season use, the best answer I could find that works without a freeze dryer is to make a tincture. Cover fresh picked flowers and buds or top couple inches of each plant in vodka or 95% grain alcohol, about one part plant, two parts alcohol. Shake daily for four weeks. Strain out plants and seal up the tincture. Oil infusions are also possible. The source I saw recommends these for topical use as an anti-inflammatory, but I suspect it could be ingested as well. It's made by letting flowers dry a day in the air, then submerging them in olive oil completely. Put somewhere warm. Every day, take off the lid and wipe out condensed water, if there is any. Close and shake. Strain out the plant part after a month. Whatever method of preparation you favor, please keep in mind that SJW active compounds are light sensitive. Keep them in dark containers. In the lab, we would simply wrap aluminum foil around whatever needed a light block. It's a better light blocker than dark glass or plastic. While I didn't read this anywhere, the general rule is that complex organic molecules such as the hypercidin and hyperfornin are not infinitely stable even in good storage conditions. I plan to rotate through the stores every third year at the least with every year being preferred. So what's the usual dosing? Well, the usual recommendation and studies are based on enough herbs to provide 300 milligrams of hypercidin taken two or three times a day. The big downside of herbal preparations is being treated as a food and less regulated than drugs. You're not sure what you're getting. 
In fact, a group who did chemical analysis of SJW capsules from a variety of suppliers found a lot of ingredients that were not from H. perforatum, which is the uh, biological name for uh, St. John's wort. That convinces me that if I'm buying it, I'm buying it from a company I expect provides quality, not a good time for unknown house brands. Plants will vary in their concentrations by time of year, strain, and growing conditions. For the tincture, 15 to 20 drops, two to three times a day, is a good guess. I suspect the oil infusion would be similar. If gastrointestinal distress pops up or sunburn starts occurring more easily than it seems like it should, the dose may be too high. Fortunately, the herb does have a good safety profile without reports of common negative events, even with higher doses. So there seems to be some leeway there. All right. Great article. And I think these are very needed. This one of those um, one of those skills and one of the, you know, the information that if there really was, you know, poop hit the fan situation, you want to know about this one. Right. And there's a lot of other herbs as well that you'll want to be able to know about. So a uh, good article over here at uh, Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. Highly recommend you come and check it out. And, and go link to that other article that they have here on uh, dealing with depression, three prepper options. And then also you have uh, their episode, uh, their article, their podcast that you can listen to over here while you're over here at their website. Well, guys, that's it for episode 285. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, if you are looking for more preparedness content, remember we have tons of articles over at PrepperWebsite.com. We update that site every single day with brand new preparedness content. So welcome you to come on over there and uh, get your fill of more preparedness content. Hey guys, don't forget to join us on the Facebook group and connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.